This morning we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, so let's open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. This morning I want to talk about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, Our target verses are going to be verses 12 and 13, but I want to read through verses 1 through... uh, maybe 14 or 15 or 16. We'll figure out where to stop kind of when we get there. So if your Bibles are open, let me read, follow along if you would, then we'll have a word of prayer. So, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every, every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, so here's the application. Everything before that was setting, establishing a principle. Now here's the application. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now here's some details on the application. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So... Let me pray, and we will dive in. Father, thank you so much for this body of believers here in Walnut Creek. Thank you, God, that this is a a sanctuary and an outpost and a lighthouse uh, for your people, God. We pray, Father, that you'd bless, Lord, our time together, that you'd open our minds and hearts to areas that we may have neglected and overlooked for a long time, that you'd show us what it means to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, God, in every part of our lives. So we commit this to you. Thank you, Lord. Bless Jared and Angela, Father. Refresh them, Lord. Thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So verse 12. That's verse 12 and 13 verses. Those verses are our target verses. Let me read them again, if I may. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, or, because, it's God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So, Paul says in verse 12, work out your salvation. So, um, I'm, I'm presuming this is a well-taught group. Uh, if, you're, if you've been here a while, then you are. Um, it doesn't say to work for your salvation. So we kind of have to clear some things out of the way first. You know, when you go to the doctor, some of the first things they do, they tell you what what the problem is not. It's not this, it's not that, we can rule these things out, you know. So we kind of want to start there. 
This, this verse here does not say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. Probably a review for most of us. Salvation is a gift that God gives us. It's given to men and women who recognize their need for to forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness from God. We accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, that he paid for our sins. And so our sins are not kind of swept aside or pushed off into the corner, but they are paid for by Jesus Christ, who is the willing substitute. Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So salvation is something that we receive. Let me paraphrase Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by God's favor, or by God's friendship, or by God's kindness, you've been saved through faith. So I like to think of salvation in, in this way. There's lots of great ways to think of salvation. I have a friend named Paul Clark. He's a musician, and he, he, he loves analogies. And he says, before he makes an analogy on Instagram or Facebook, he says, okay, now I'm going into analogyville. He just loves to look at something and come up with a spiritual application. So this is my analogyville um, experiment this morning. So let's say this room is salvation. This room is the kingdom of God and everything that God has for you in the Christian life is in this room. But because of sin, we're all outside the doors. And we can't get into this room. And the only people that can get into this room are those who have no sins being held against them. And so different forms of religion would say, well, if you work harder and try harder, your your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds, etc. But we know that you know, if you're guilty, you're guilty. If, if you run a stop sign and you get a ticket, you can't tell the, the judge, well, I, I stopped 99 times. Why are you convicting me of this one time? You know, you're, well, you're guilty. So, Salvation is in this room. The kingdom of God is in this room. The fullness of the Christian life is in this room. But we're outside. And you can't come in unless you're sinless. Jesus stands outside, if you will, and he stands inside as well. But he stands outside and he pays for our sins. And so salvation is credited to us. We get to come in based on his merit. He's the one that makes us sinless before the throne of heaven. So we come in the door, we're like, wow, this is amazing. Look, look at all the things in this room. So up on the stage is, is worship. Uh, back at the table is service. Out at the coffee table is service. Over there is prayer in the Christian life. And there's forgiveness and there's mercy and there's grace and there's Bible study over there, and there's uh, forgiveness over here, and learning how to serve is over in this corner. And we start going through the room of the Christian life, the auditorium of the Christian life, and we're naturally attracted to some things. It's like, oh man, I really love, I'm just going to hang out in the worship section of the room. That's, that's a good place to hang out. But then somebody offends you, and you find it that it's hard to forgive them. And you don't want to go over to that corner where forgiveness is. Like, I'll just, I'll just worship it away. I've been offended, but I'll just keep worshiping. Well, it's always good to worship, but you also need to learn about forgiveness. In this section here, and if you read the book of Philippians, one of the problems in the book of Philippians was a lack of unity. So what does Paul teach them? I want you guys to look again. Look at verse 1. Uh, verse 3. Don't let anything be done through selfish ambition. So what does selfish ambition cause? Lack of unity. 
Verses 5 through 11, he's saying, therefore, you need to be humble. Jesus is our example. And since Jesus is our example, verse 12, work it out. Don't just hang out in the worship part of the Christian life. Go visit the forgiveness part of the Christian life. You just don't seem to like to go over there. You seem to like to hold grudges. Or let's say that you uh, love to serve. You serve, serve, serve. So you love to hang out in the service part of the room where I'm looking for ways to serve the Lord and service is wonderful. But a lack of, lack of security of your salvation, you're insecure in your faith, it's over in that corner. But you don't want to go over there because if I just work harder, maybe I'll feel better about my salvation. So you kind of just hang out over there and you don't go visit this other section. If Paul was teaching a passage, if he is saying in verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and he was addressing insecurity, he might give us examples out of the book of Romans. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? If you have trouble forgiving people, instead of talking about uh, the humility of Christ, he may have taken us to one of the gospels where he gives uh, an example or a, 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 oh my goodness, what's the word? Parable. Slightly senior moment. I have some timers. Sometimes I don't remember, okay? He might have given a parable of, you know, uh, forgiveness. You know, Jesus is, like when he sees a problem, he'll speak, he'll give an example of something, and then he'll, he'll say, now here's the application. So in this particular passage, the, app, the, the problem was lack of unity, but the, the more general uh, uh, exhortation for us is whatever is going on in your Christian life, you need to work it out. You know, some of us eat the icing first and then the cake. I like to eat donuts with the icing down. Anybody else like to eat donuts with the, I, Good, there's one. There's, there's, so there's three odd people in the room, the rest of you. I, I don't know, it's too much sugar on the roof of my mouth when I eat the donut with the icing on the top. I have to flip it over. That's just the way that I do it. We all have our particular things that we like and dislike. So let's say forgiveness is the struggle of your life. And you, you come and serve, and it's like you're serving, serving, serving. But that's not working out any forgiveness. That's, that's, that's a blessing to a lot of other people, and the Lord is blessed. But he's also saying, my dear son, my dear daughter, that's, you know, service is not all about your life. You're, you're held back because you can't quite forgive that person over there. Or maybe you're a doer, and you love to work, 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 but you don't have any patience. And so, you're, you know, the first thing you do in the Christian life is, how can I do something? And God says, I want you to be patient. Be still and know that I'm God. No, I don't like that part of the Christian life. I just want to do this other thing that I'm naturally attracted to. Lord, you know I like my donut upside down. You know, we have, we, we're quirky about different things in our lives, aren't we? I think about going to the gym and... Um, you know, let's say that you recognize you need to improve your health, you need to pr- improve your physique and your strength and whatever else. So your doctor prescribes, you know, well, we want you to do these exercises and you go and buy a gym membership and you buy the clothes and then you hire a personal trainer and they're going to show you how to get healthy, but you don't like to work on your legs. Well, guys, are, guys are typical for this, you know. They have this great massive upper body and then they have these pencil legs, you know. <laughs> Because it's always kind of a joke about leg day. I don't want to do leg day. I just want big arms, you know. 
well, you look like a, a puffed up chicken, <laughs> you know. What you're doing up here is really good, but, but that's not all of your body. You're just doing the thing that you like. You're neglecting the other part of your life that's needed. I hope, you're, hope these crazy analogies are kind of starting to sink in a little bit. God wants us to be spiritually, holistically whole, to be as ready to forgive as we are to work, to be as ready to worship as we are to study, to be as ready to sacrifice as we are to receive. And so probably for all of us, there's, there's areas there where, where they're just kind of neglected because they're harder for us. They're more difficult for us. And you know what they are, and I praise the Lord that by his spirit, he can, t- he can take these general statements that I'm saying and kind of he can kind of, you know, point at that little area of your life where it's like, man, I know I've been neglecting this thing in my life. I've been doing everything else, but I just don't like dealing with this thing. I think that's what Paul is saying here. Look at verse 12. He's been teaching about humility because in, in, in Philippi, the problem is lack of unity. Once again, if it's forgiveness, you have trouble forgiving, he would have taught a parable on forgiveness. If it's lack of being assured of your salvation, he would have pointed to something in, in the book of Romans. Etc. So, but he says in verse twelve, my, "My beloved, you've always obeyed, but not not only when I'm there, but now much more in my absence. I'm not there to exhort you. I'm not there to come alongside you. I'm not there to encourage you. I'm not there to pray with you in person. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." That phrase literally it means to carry something to its conclusion. You're right here. But, but in this room, there's all of this. Don't just hang out in your favorite corner or favorite side of the room in regards to the Christian life. Live the entire Christian life. Work these things out that you need to work out. Another definition to work out. To achieve the goal that has been set by you or set by someone for you. For, for every Christian, the desired result is to make us to, to increasingly have lives that look more like Jesus. Romans 8.29, it's God's plan that we would be conformed into the image of his son. So, I mean, Jesus, what does John tell us in the Gospel of John? Jesus was full of grace and truth. Jesus wasn't lacking anything. So I think just naturally, perhaps, you know, even if, even if you were not a Christian, naturally speaking, some of us are just more inclined to be merciful, are more inclined to be patient, or more inclined to be friendly or, or service-oriented. And then you become a Christian, and the Spirit of God starts working in you, and all those things get really amplified, and you're just blessed, and you're excited about it. But still, there's those areas where we can get stuck. And we, and we just stay stuck. Maybe we don't know how to forgive someone. Maybe the hurt is so deep. Or maybe the fear is so strong. There was a dear sister in our church years ago that she would regularly ask me to pray for her to make sure that she was saved. She just struggled with the assurance of her salvation. I gladly prayed with her. But that's where she really needed to focus. The other things came easy, but that's where she needed to put her focus. That's where she needed to work it out. Analogyville part two coming. Here I go. I think about, you know, um, you buy something at Ikea, and, uh, but it requires assembly. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I've learned that I need to read the instructions, but it's not my inclination. 
I'd rather just start throwing things together, you know. I don't know, let's say you have a, a fold-out bed or something like that, and um, you, you know, friends are coming over, family's coming over, you buy this Ikea, you put it all together, but you don't, you don't bother with the instructions because you know how to do it. And you put it together and there's parts left over, you know, and the bed is sitting like this, kind of, you know. Well, you can sleep on it like that, but it's not very comfortable, so what do you do? You put books under that end and, and you prop it up, you know. You're, you're compensating, but it's not like it should be. And that's how we can get in our lives as Christians. You know, it's not that we're not saved. It's that we're compensating. You ever see somebody that walks with a limp? Walking with a limp is your body that it's compensating for an injury. Something happened. But as you walk with a limp, and, and I've had enough chiropractic that I pay attention to the way people walk. When I see somebody walking like this, I'm thinking, okay, that's a hip problem or that's a knee problem or something, and it's throwing off their equilibrium. And we're, we're designed to walk like this, not like this. And then the neck gets stiff, and then you get a headache, and all these other, there's all these other peripheral things that happen because there's compensation. And in the Christian life, there's compensation. I've been hurt so many times. I'm willing to serve, but I just don't want to be around people because people hurt me, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll compensate by staying busy. It's not that you're not saved. It's that you need to really focus on working out your salvation in this area. You need to read the instructions. You know, with the IKEA, you know, they give you all the tools. They give you all the parts. They give you all the knowledge. But you have to work it out. And we have the word of God. We're blessed to have the word of God. And we're blessed to have people that we can look at and say, wow, they really overcame forgiveness or they really overcame fear or they overcame these other things. And fantastic and they're examples and models to us and they're encouragement to us but I I have to put the sleeper bed together (laughs) you know and if I compensate you know if I compensate with a book now the book's ruined there's all these other peripheral consequences that happen when we try to compensate so Paul is just telling these Christians here look you need to work this out this lack of unity and in chapter 4, he talks about two ladies that were missionary veterans with him. Imagine going on missions trips with the Apostle Paul. That's not just like going down to an orphanage in Tijuana. I mean, this is like you're risking life and limb, right? You might go to jail. These gals were veteran, varsity, letter, letter woman, letterman, studs. They were professional missionaries. But they get back to the church at Philippi and they're arguing. So things happen. He's saying to the church at Philippi, you guys are not in unity. You need to work it out. Don't just call somebody in. Don't call the pastor to come in and referee. You know, Pastors are called to wear those striped jerseys all the time. You need to, you need to, you need to referee this and settle it in my favor. You know? No, have you guys been praying for each other? Are you guys ready to forgive each other? Do you recognize that you're going to spend eternity together in heaven? Okay, that's the basis. Now, based on that, work it out. Do you have to win the argument? Is it more important to be right or is it more important to do right? And a lot of times for us, it's more important to be right. But that doesn't help us to do right. So with these guys, the problem was unity. And I don't know you guys, so it's wonderful. I can just say anything and I'm not pointing to anybody. (laughs) Whatever, whatever the challenge is that needs to work, you know, be worked out. Spiritually, do you have a great upper body and you have pencil legs? Spiritually, are you a great servant? 
but you have no assurance of your salvation? Spiritually, are you happy to worship God, but you just don't want to be bothered by reading the word of God? You need to work it out. You need to bring the Christian life to its ultimate conclusion, that we may be perfect, lacking nothing, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James chapter one, talking about patience, that we won't be limping through the Christian life, that we won't be compensating by avoiding people or staying busy or retreating to our study and just studying. I study the Bible all the time. Do you go to church? No, why? Because there's people there. I don't want to be bothered with them. Well, you're missing the parts that say, don't forsake the assembling of the saints. I know, but they're such a pain. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. I'm a pastor. (laughs) Work it out. Get yourself to church. If you have to start by coming in late, sitting in the back room, leaving early, it's a start. If you want to just hang out at the coffee thing and listen on the speaker, it's a start. But start working it out. That's what Paul is saying to these people. And he says, work out your own salvation. Start with yourself and focus on yourself. A lot of times we want to work out other people's salvation, you know. But we need to work out our own salvation. It takes deliberate effort, faith, prayer, surrender. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. The grace of God that appears, the, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. We all... Presumably, we all understand about grace in this room. But grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. So uh, grace teaches us how to live the fullness of the Christian life. Verse 12 again. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. It's interesting, too. When did the, unity, when did the lack of unity start? When the pastor left. When dad, when dad left the house to go to work, the kids start fighting. You know. He's saying you need to work it out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So the word salvation, guys, we know that it means justification, forgiveness of sins, but the, the, the Greek word is S-O-Z-O. That would make a great T-shirt if anybody likes to make T-shirts. Sozo. And it doesn't just mean forgiven of your sins. It also means health or wholeness. Remember the woman that had the issue of blood and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. That's the same word as justification, sozo. Not only will I be forgiven, I'll be made whole. Healing will come to me. So Paul here, I mean, those words are kind of interchangeable. So verse 12, work out your healing. Let God work out your healing, but have some fear and have some trembling about it. And it's not a terror or a slavish terror of eternal judgment, but it's a caution about yourself. A Bible commentator named Vincent said this, this kind of fear is self-distrust. It's tenderness of conscience. It's vigilance against temptation. It's taking heed lest we fall. It's a constant apprehension of the deceitfulness of the heart and of the insidious and power and of the insidious power of inward corruption. It's the caution and circumspection which timidly shrinks from whatever should offend and dishonor God. This is the human responsibility. Verse 12 is all about human responsibility. If I need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, and let's say that I have trouble forgiving people. Let's just say that that's my particular problem. The fear and trembling should be, I know how much trouble I can cause if I don't take care of this. 
I know how seriously damaging it can be to other people. It's kind of a cautious self-distrust. I know what I'm capable of if I don't walk in the Spirit. And I can mask avoiding spiritual pursuits by staying busy in other spiritual areas. I, can't, I don't know how to forgive people because I'm so busy over here feeding the homeless. Well, that's wonderful, but you need to learn how to forgive. You guys catch what I'm saying. So, whatever the area is in your life, and praise the Lord that he knows about what's going on with us. He wants us to work it out. Follow the instructions. Put all the pieces of the Ikea bed together. <laughs> Have leg days. <laughs> you know? Don't take selfies just from the waist up, you know. Right? I mean, we can laugh about these things because they're true, right? We always present our best side. Well, why don't you work on your worst side, you know? Work it out. Work out your salvation with a cautious self-distrust, knowing that if I don't learn how to forgive or if I don't learn how to not be lazy anymore or if I don't learn how to get out of my study and come to the altar and get on my knees... It doesn't mean I'm not a Christian, but it means I'm a, I'm a Christian that compensates and excuses wholeness in my life. And I want wholeness in my life. If it's God's plan to conform us into the image of Christ, do you think Jesus was lacking any, in any area of his life? Of course he wasn't. If, if we ever say, I want to be like Jesus, only parts of him? <laughs> you know, No, how about the entire person who Christ was? Verse 12, so that's the, that's the human side. Let me read it and then segue into verse 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And here's the wonderful news, guys, verse 13. It's God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So let's say, you're, let's go back to the, to the weightlifting analogy. You know, you go to the gym and immediately you start doing curls because that's what you love to do, you know. But you're thinking in your mind, I really need to do some squats. I don't want to do squats. Spiritually speaking, God's saying, go do squats. I know, Lord, I know. Go do squats. I know. God, help me. Okay, I'll help you first put down the curl bars. Now go over to the squat thing. and You can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you know. And, and God is working in you to do squats. Forgive the silly analogy, okay? I had only one cup of coffee this morning. It's like I'm <laughs> caffeine-deprived here a little bit. <laughs> okay, good. If the trouble is forgiveness, God so wants to help you learn how to forgive. He's working in you to, to will that, to want that. And then he's working in you to do it. It's interesting here, the word work, look at verse 13. God is working in you, the Greek word, and I love these words, and and I want you to guess, and you're going to totally get it. God is working in you. The word works there is the Greek word energeo. Any guesses on what that word is in English? Energetically. God is energetically working in you, prompting you. You wake up on Sunday morning and you got to go to church and you know that person's going to be there that offended you and you don't want to forgive them. And before you even start getting dressed, he's poking you and says, you know, you really need to pray for that person. God's energetically working in you to want to do that. Your flesh says no. 
Because last time you tried to work something out with somebody, they blew up in your face and you said, forget it, I'm going to swear off people, I'll just go and serve and keep my head down, you know. But God is energetically working in you. Notice what he's energetically working in you to do. Look at verse 13, guys. To will and to do. Not only to change your desires, but then when the desires are going in the right direction, to actually follow through. To help you get up off the chair and walk across the room and say, brother, sister, you know, there's some tension between us and I I just don't want there to be any tension between us. And I, I don't know how to fix this, but without even talking about the problem, can we just pray together? Sometimes we don't know how to fix broken relationships. You know, if you can't do it face to face, you know, thank God for text messages or emails or a Starbucks card in the mail. Dear brother, dear sister, I know we've been at odds and I'm so sorry and I don't know if I offended you and I feel offended, but I'm not contacting you so that we can settle the problem. I'm just saying, can we pray together? Having been a pastor for 30 years, I've been offended and I've offended others. And of course, I'm always right and they're always wrong, but you know, I'm kidding. I've, I've, I've been wrong. And there was one brother that I just, God's really been after me about this. Don't let there be any unbroken relationships outstanding anywhere with anybody. And so I was just like, oh man, I know if I call this guy, it's going to be this and that. Anyway, I just reached out to him again. He said, I feel offended. And I said, well, I feel offended too. I said, how about if we don't talk about the offense? Give me one thing that I can pray for. And then I said, here's one thing that that you can pray for me. And that's all we did. We didn't talk about the offense. And it started building a bridge again. And a few months later, as it turns out, a mutual friend died. And we were both asked to play music at the memorial service. God healed, began the heal. Are we best buddies again? No. Is the door opposite? Absolutely. The door is open. It's those kinds of things. God puts it in your heart. You say, I don't even know how to do this. What do I do? I don't know how to worship. I get so bored. I'm just thinking about my studies. How do I study? I get so bored. I'm just thinking about worship. <laughs> God, God wants to work in you to, to begin to give you a desire. Guys, you don't, know how, you, don't know, you don't have to know how to do things. You just have to want to do them. When, when I met Debbie, we were both in high school, or not high school, junior college. And uh, boy, I'm, I was, we were both music majors, and I'm looking across the band room, and I'm thinking, man, there's, there's a cutie over there, you know. And I didn't know, how, how am I going to get her, how am I going to, how's this going to happen? I don't know. But you know what? I wanted it to. And so I found a way. If you want to forgive, if you want to be disciplined in studying, if you want to be a person who learns how to worship or serve or deny yourself, if you want to be that person, God wants it for you more than you do. He's energetically working in you to give you that desire. And then when the desire is there, then we have to follow through somehow. And sometimes it's like, I don't even know where to start. It's okay. If you want it, he'll show you how to start. He wants it more than you do. And I love that. I love that. It's not up to me. I need to, I need to do the work of working out my salvation with fear and trembling. But boy, God is the initiator. He, he's, he's the power source behind it all. And he's energetically doing that. 
I cannot create the Christian life within myself. I can only respond to what God is doing. When he prompts me to, to forgive, I need to start praying. When he, when he prompts me to apologize, I need to start praying. When he prompts me to do something or go somewhere that I don't want to do or go, I need to start praying. When I try to make an excuse of I'm not going to go over there because I'm serving you over here, he says, hey, remember, remember who's in charge here. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. I need to be praying about all of those things. He doesn't force us or compel us, but the Holy Spirit exerts influence over our hearts. And, verse 13, it's God who works in you both to will and to do, and those things that he's energetically working in us are always good. Okay, I do want to show a hands. How many of you have made, and you, obviously we're not going to have a testimony timer, but how many of you have experienced God helping you make a breakthrough in your life? Now, wonderful, we got a good thing. And you never imagined it could be that good. You never imagined. Wow, I never thought that this would happen. You know, But somehow God's impulse in your heart and you saying, Lord, this is hard. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm willing to try. And then you did it. You took a step of faith. You did something. And suddenly a whole new panorama of life opened up to you. And you're just like, wow, you know. What's that Louis Armstrong song? You know, birds in the sky. You know, it's like, I never saw the sky was so blue. The birds are singing. You know, it's like, wow, this whole new thing of life that I didn't imagine because God was energetically working in me. And I finally said, okay, I give in. I surrender to you. Now help me take that step. I don't even know how to step that way. But if we're willing, he'll do it. And it is a process, guys. I, I, you know, by the time God, or God gives you a desire, and by the time you actually experience having worked it all out, it can take a while, and that's okay. But just be, a, be, be in the process. Let God be working that process to you. Romans chapter 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The description of a Christian is one who's led by the Spirit. And the Spirit's going to lead us into everything that needs to happen in our lives. We are, the, that we are the sons and daughters of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So when we're fearful about these things, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's our flesh or the enemy. But we receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, and the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you've experienced a breakthrough like that, and most of you raise your hands, I, I praise God for that. It's a good thing. And you experiencing that breakthrough is another uh, proof, if you will, that you're a child of God. You said yes to him, and you agreed to him, and you worked out this wonderful thing in your life, and that's great. But I'm guessing there's probably more things that he wants to work out in your life. And it just kind of keeps happening all of our days. He says here, it's God who works in you both to will and to do. So it's a will and to do according to his good pleasure. To will is to have it in mind, to be determined, to desire something, to wish something. God puts it in our hearts to do something. And then to do means to put forth the power, to be effective, to be operative. Lord, I'm willing to forgive if they will call me. You know, No, you're willing to forgive, but I'm prompting you to call them. We, and sometimes we want to we go along with the will of God, but we want to do it passively. Sometimes it might be passive, but sometimes it needs to be active and deliberate. 
And then according to his good pleasure, look at the verse again, he's working in us, God's energetically working in us to change our desires and to give us the power to do those things that are his good pleasure. He prompts us to want to do those things that are pleasing to him. I was telling one of the, tell me your name again. George. George. I was telling George, I really like the black curtains. Now, the people that set them up probably hate the black curtains. <laughs> but you know, I like the black curtains. I like having a place to walk in, and it funnels me over to the welcome center over there, and then it just kind of creates this, like, wonderful little hug in the room for me, you know? But those curtains didn't put themselves up. Somebody had to say, you know, I just don't... Well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't presume that somebody said I don't like doing it, but it was me, you know? But, you know, God puts it in your hearts to do these things that you, in the flesh, would prefer not to do. And then, lo and behold, you get a compliment from some visiting pastor. It's like, wow, you know, (laughs) praise the Lord. (laughs) He just prompts us to do these things. It's according to his good pleasure. The Philippians, back to them, verses 1 through 11, they needed to humble themselves. And so Paul uses Jesus as the example. I want to encourage you, if you're having trouble forgiving, Maybe focus your reading for a while, and you can go on version, or there's lots of good Bible apps. Just study forgiveness for a while. Uh, if it's uh, worship just isn't interesting to you, just, may, maybe just take a month off from your verse-by-verse reading and just study worship. Because that's the part that needs rehabilitation. That's the part that maybe needs a little extra attention. So whatever it is, maybe, and I'm speaking from experience, I I started teaching the Bible probably in 1983, no, 84, a bunch of high school kids. And it was a young lady that came up to me and said, you know, Bill, we love your your Bible studies. And I'm like, that's great. And she said, well, we always leave feeling bad. I'm like, that's not good. And I'm thinking, there's something wrong up here. And I didn't understand grace. All my Bible studies were, you got to try harder, you got to try harder, you got to try harder, because I was talking to me. And I decided, and I, did, I even did like a seven-part series on all the Greek words for sin. How edifying, you know, <laughs> to high school kids, you know, because I was talking to me. And my favorite verse at the time was, my sin is ever before me. That's pathetic. <laughs> and so I started doing studies just on love. And I got balanced out. I was, I, was, I was monstrous up here and I had chicken legs down here. <laughs> and, that, and it brought spiritual balance to my life. I wasn't inclined to that. It wasn't my natural tendency. This is the kind of thing that I'm talking about, that God wants to work these things out in us. And so the Philippians, they needed unity. Therefore, they needed to focus on humility. I don't, I don't know what the chicken legs are of your life. <laughs> But focus on that for a while, maybe, in your Bible studies. Just, just read. There's a lot of good comment. Guys, we live in a rich world, don't we, in regards to uh, information about how to grow as a Christian. Rich, rich world. And so we can really focus on those things. We don't neglect the normal things, but sometimes we need to pay maybe more attention to these other things. Let me close with a, a quote from Ray Steadman. Work out your own solution. Work through the problems and trials and difficulties presented in ordinary daily life. Use your mind and your will to solve your problems yourself in the confident expectation 
that in doing so, God is also at work in you to make you both will and to do of his good pleasure. That is a marvelous statement of the Christian's experience of being led by God. We do the work because he's working in us. If I was presenting this, and I'm going to take a chance on saying this, theologically more correct, I might have started with verse 13. God's working in you. God's always the initiator. He's the initiator in our salvation. We said yes to the invitation to come to Jesus. God's always the initiator. So I want to encourage you guys. If God is initiating a new aspect of your Christian life, respond. And do it with fear and trembling, knowing that, God, if I don't do this, it's not that I'm unsaved, but I'm compensating. I'm, walking with, I'm a Christian walking with a limp. I'll, never, I'll, I'll stay stuck in this little area of my life here. And I think God wants to unstick us all, don't you think? Whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. Yeah. He came to give us life and that more abundantly. Okay, here's the visual. The abundant life isn't this. <laughs> it's not that. Being spiritually, holistically healed. Let me pray for us. I'll have the worship team come on up. Thank you so much, Lord, that your plans for us, your thoughts, your desires are so good. Thank you for all the hands that went up today in regards to those who have experienced breakthroughs. How marvelous it is, God. I pray if we're kind of stuck in in another area that we would remember how you brought us through that previous area, that previous challenge, Lord. And that in looking back, you'd give us hope to look forward. Thank you, God, that you are a God that changes people and heals people. You make us whole. Thank you, Lord. So we commit ourselves to you again today, afresh and anew. And I pray for this fellowship, God, individually. Do a good, fresh new work in their lives. I pray for more breakthroughs in all of us. And for the church, Lord, that you'd use this place for your glory, God. So thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.